Welcome to Your Grit Story Podcast, where we chat with founders, leaders, and changemakers to learn about their journey to make the future a reality. I'm Eric, your friendly host. Follow us on where you are tuning in or find us on any social media channels to catch highlights and snippets of our episodes. Let's be inspired by the stories while you create your great story. All right, a very warm welcome to your great story podcast. Today we are on a very special episode, a special Mother's Day episode of the Origin series we are running. And I'm extremely excited to have Shirley with us, founder of Moms at Work, uh, who is very active in the Mummies community. So we're going to do a very quick pause and welcome our guests. Welcome to the show, Shirley. Hi, hi, Eric. Good to be here. <laughs> so, so, so much energy. So first of all, <laughs> thank you for taking time off to join me in the show. And I'm super excited to learn more about the origins uh, of Moms at Work. Uh, and also how Mummy listeners can be supported, especially by career navigators as well. So to start with, uh, we'd like to have you introduce yourself, right, and share with your family, and so our audience can get to know you better. On to you, sure. Shirley. Sure, sure. So I started Moms at Work in 2010 when I became a mother, partly because I felt the pain of being a working mom. And I recognized that there were not many flexible work arrangements out there. So I thought at that time, you know, why not I create a portal that allows me to list jobs and see whether it, it works. And it did. So uh, once it took off, I kind of just ran with it. And over the years, we started to sort of change in small ways. We started to incorporate, for example, the Mumpreneurs group, where it's really mothers who start small businesses from home. Again, I won't lie, it was because I was going through it, right? I was a typical business owner with a baby at that time, sitting next to me. <laughs> I'm trying to feed the baby and run the business, right? And so the mumpreneurs came in, and then that was in 2014. And then in 2016, something very exciting happened. I started to realize, right, that a lot of women had stopped work entirely just because their old, their previous positions had no flexibility. And no matter how they looked, their skill sets could not always translate into a role exactly. Or there were times where they just didn't have the time. Huh? So they stopped work entirely and then they wanted to come back to work. So this group we call Back to Work Mums. Uh, it was a sizable population and it still is a sizable population. And so Career Navigators, which is a subsidiary, was set up. And we use the term career navigators because I realized also there were women who were not just moms, but they were caregivers. They were usually parents who were struggling. And it would be the same thing. They would say, I have to stop work because this two years, very intense, bring the parents that really to hospital. But when I want to come back in, nobody wants to talk to me, right? I think I'm one of those kind of people where when I feel like, oh, why can't we? Why, why is there this bias, right? And because there were these kind of bias that was already existing, in the workplace, I then decided, okay, you know what, we'll start something for it. So Career Navigators partners companies to hire women back to work, either into direct jobs or what we call returnships. And the returnships are actually valuable too, and they pay quite okay. Yeah? It's not like $700, you can do everything, right? They're real jobs. It's just that it's a very good trial period for both the returning uh, female talent and the company to say, is this something I wanted to do? And usually the roles can be quite senior too. They can be managerial level or even director level. So I think women who have taken a break appreciate the fact that the company is, uh, you know, they want to join is willing to give them um, what we call a ramp up time. So in that capacity, it started to grow. So I think we've been quite successful in the sense that we keep growing. We have new businesses and clients. And interestingly, over the years, we also do a lot of career affairs. So our career affairs are quite interesting. You can only come if you have a career gap. 
So, you know, in essence, everybody has to, it's on the same page, right? And we, of course, only serve females, lah, majority moms. Got it, got it. Thank, thanks for the quick introduction and TLDR. So, just double-clicking on that, right? I mean, I see that moms at work and career navigators is actually more than just a job portal for moms. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, so let's just double-click on that. So, what is the team on your side working on to help moms to transit? Uh, okay, so when they come back into work, one of the things we have is something called the Jumpstart Reintegration Program. We actually have, I would say coaching, but like a, we call them program manager. They actually walk the returner back to work. They help to have the three-way conversation with the hiring manager because sometimes there are a lot of things that are not verbalized. And you don't think about yourself, even Eric, when you first start a new job, the first few weeks are very challenging. No matter what you do, they're always going to be a little bit not so smooth, right? And sometimes you are brave, you ask questions. If you are a little bit more hesitant, a bit concerned that you might send out the wrong impression, you may pull back. So in many ways, our reintegration program is to support that and to really say, what are some of the things that really need to be ironed out, right? So obviously from the work front, but also from the home front, because sometimes women do come back to work and then don't always get the full support of the family or the spouse. And definitely not the children, because the children are shocked as like, Mummy used to be here doing everything and now mummy is not here anymore, right? So we have all kinds of interesting stories. I'd be happy to share um, a few very unusual cases and, and very cute stories you learn from the mums, basically. So our support really goes into that. The other thing that we do, which is very fundamental actually, is we train the hiring managers. People don't realise this, that most managers, if not trained, if not educated, if not given the right tools, tend to go back to their more traditional way of hiring. So when you hire someone back to work, actually, there are many, many different things you consider. It's not the same as hiring someone. Uh, so maybe I'll put it this way. I always say, typically from women returning to work, actually, they have a ton of experience. But if they were to pitch that and the HR or the hiring manager looks at that, actually, it becomes a little bit of a burden because the experience has been five, six, seven, eight, twelve 12 years, and it kind of holds them back. So rather than that, we always have to sort of get the hiring managers to think about hiring based on potential. And there are actually certain markers that we give to them and they use to say, so say, you know, whether it's you, Eric, or someone that's come back in after a gap, to say, let me go through and say, I'm looking for potential. What is it that I see that I know if I hire you, you're going to be able to take on, right? And that shift of mindset sounds very simple, but after a while, we've done it for a few years, we realize, wow, managers really don't go into the automatic mindset. There's certain questions, there's certain things that you have to get them to think about and then they will ask in the interview that gets them the information they need. So we, we do that and obviously we prep the women too. We do training, we do workshops, we do a lot of, I would say, upskilling. So we, we had all these things really from early on, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, right? all these years we've been doing it. And it's quite nice because nationally, I think now we're all starting to do it. I remember very early years when we first brought it up to the Ministry of Manpower. It was, it was always a fun thing. I would go for these little consultations and there'll be 12, you know, officers sitting there taking down notes, asking questions because we were so new and so ahead of the game at that time. Um, and I think, you know, to be in this market, you have to always think outside of the box because the question is, you're talking to people who want to do the traditional way of hiring, traditional way of reintegration, traditional way of onboarding. We're looking at a pool of talent that in some small ways is actually different. And these are these small things are the make or break. Because we've also noticed this, right, for recruiters when they hire, like headhunters, they normally just bring the person back in. But actually the first, I would say, three to six months are quite crucial. Any form of where there's sudden sense of that their confidence is being shaken, 
the female talent can just back off and then they resign and then they don't ever want to try again. So as a social enterprise, we were quite clear who we're trying to empower are the women. And if you want to empower the women, then these tools have to be in place. We also need to empower the manager to make them feel like they're not stepping on the wrong footing when they start off, right? It's interesting because you would think onboarding is the same, but actually it's not. For someone who has been away for some time, actually it's not. So I'm very blessed. My colleagues are all very, very strong in HR. They've been on the other side of the table. They've also been moms. They've also been coaches. So it's almost like people who have been on all sides of the table will finally say, I can see exactly what's happening, right? And I think that's where we are a little bit, I suppose, unusual in that sense. And we've had a lot of success in that sense too, yeah. Wow, let's unpack. I love you kind of connect the dots uh, where your team has folks from HR, you know, they're also mummies, they can kind of embrace and also empathize, right? Uh, yes. Like the emotions behind kind of going back to work. Yes. Right? Just double-clicking on the, the word potential here, right? Um, so um, are there kind of trends or some industries that are more suitable or less suitable? What is the trend like for the past, like since 2016 to like now 2023? I'm always asked this question by uh, media, so why not? Which are the trends which are more open to hiring mummies back to work? You know, it's not the industry. It's the individual manager. So in the end, it is always the manager. Uh, there is a big MNC client we work with. They were the first to launch returnships in US and around the world. They actually, I think, they patented the word returnship, but everybody ignored that. Uh, if you Google search, you'll know who they are. They're very well known. They were one of our partners. Uh, and I say partners because they were very against trying to do it again. But because they were our partners and we worked with them on other projects, we sat down and very openly said, you know, you all had this probably in early 2000, which is very early in the game. Tell us what went wrong. And everything that we picked up about what the problems were, they started to tell us. And one of that was really about the potential, you know, the hiring manager having to... So we, we asked hiring managers, when you hire a fresh grad, Actually, what goes on in your mind? Are you looking for past experience to prove themselves? Obviously, the answer is no. Even if a fresh grad went to a very good place for internship, you can't, right? It's not the same. And you know this. So the question then becomes, why do you change it for someone who hasn't worked for some time and is very willing to, to come back in and has some skill sets that she can tap on, but the truth is she's going to start pretty much from scratch again. Why can't you put on the same lenses? And you'll notice most hiring managers cannot answer you because it's not a natural instinct to do that. So, like I say, you take them through sort of a journey of understanding what's going on in their mind when they do the hiring. And that's where we then work with them to say, okay, if this is how would you look at the candidate? How would you look at the candidate when she joins? What are the things you say to your other team members to make them feel like they belong? What are the things that are quite important? So I think it seems like it's such a simple solution. But actually, because we've been on it for so long, you realize that there's so many small little things that you work at to make it fit. And obviously the attitude of the returning talent too, she has to realise that she goes into pitch based on potential. She cannot keep saying, I used to do this, I used to do that. Because we've had cases where they say, I used to do this. And then the hiring manager says, I really don't care because it's been 12 years. You know, and that actually it's holding you back because I get worried that you want to do the same way 12 years ago, but we're not like that. So we started to tell women, you cannot go in like that. When you were a fresh grad, how did you pitch yourself? And they go, we talk about what we can do. We talk about what we have these skills. I will use these skills, but to do this, I don't want to tell you about what I used to do because sometimes the internship that I did was not what I wanted to do either, right? So once the women shift their mindset there, they also go in and pitch differently. You know, I can't take out the trade secrets, but there are certain things that we actually teach them. They say it this way, say it that way. And more importantly, see yourself that way. 
Because if you see yourself that way, a lot of jobs will actually open up to you as well. You know, one of the things I often hear from mums is, only my ex-industry will hire me back. Only the ex-role. You know, the truth is, a lot of our jobs that we place, the women are career transitioners. Career transitioners, what they used to do, they used to do risk. They don't want to go back to risk. But someone who has ever done risk is very useful for certain other roles too. So it's a little bit of the whole, who am I? What can I do? And not what I used to do, but because of what I have accumulated over the years and my decision that at this point in my life, I want to try something new. My potential is this. And then you go to the company and pitch that way. Yeah. Wow. I think what you shared is quite very insightful, right? So I think what you just shared is really a shift of mental model for the moms, right? Who not not saying, like, oh, I've done this before, but I have the potential of doing making impact on that, right? Yes. Yes. And also on the hiring manager side, the shift of mental model also is both sides. So what we're doing really here is really very impactful for moms who are really going back to the workforce. Just to mention, there are funny stories to share. So I'll give some time to share like one or two stories, perhaps, right? That perhaps a successful returnship, as you mentioned. Yeah, there have been a lot of successful ones, but I do want to share the ones that I always remember. So we've been doing this actually since... So our first uh, hiring campaign was actually with Ernst and Young in 2015, 14, even before we launched Korean Army. That, that was how brief we were. We ran quite early to try. Um, and I remember this mom, she was lovely, but she had been away for very long. I think almost close to a decade. So she had kids of, of different ages. She had a supportive husband, she had a boss already, and then, you know, our coach was going through with her. One of her worries is that when she finally goes back to work, the children are left at home and they're going to literally be left with their own devices, but also to the devices at home that they can, you know, log into and then do it. It was so funny because I think we had, a, we always have training and all that. And so I think this was probably the fourth day that she came into work. And she had this huge, from a very small office bag, she brought a big office bag. And all, it was a team, it was a group of moms that came in together. It was like a higher cohort. So all of us, and I was a trainer that day, I said, why do you have such a bag? And then she started to pull out all these um, remote controls, the TV remote control, the digital thing. <laughs> and she says, now I'm really able to control them. No one at home can turn them on. <laughs> and, and, and I said, oh, because she says, my greatest concern was always that they will go and use all the devices. So this is me where you could control everything from your phone. Yeah. And I always remember that case because the truth is that is really the fear of the mom. When I go back, in how do I make sure that things at home are still left safe and of course my coach there worked through with her and said you know we don't always have to bring you on the devices to work but let's come up with a plan and this is the interesting thing sometimes mothers returning to work they're very prepared for the work front they're not prepared for the home front so the other thing that mothers need to do sometimes is actually come up with your reintegration plan for your family because they are the children like like this case right so we actually came up with, yeah, this is an example, the coach actually went through with her and said, you know what, we're going to space it out. The children are going to learn the, the concept of discipline and consequences, right? So if you can show that, you know, this period of time, they didn't touch any device, they get rewarded. So, so the, it was really talking them through it. And this is why it was so important that the, my team was always people who are moms themselves, had taken career breaks themselves. So they could see her pain and not laugh about it, but say, I understand. Because I remember when she took it all out, a part of us was laughing, but part of us, I honestly tell you as a mom, I was going, oh my gosh, I probably would do the same thing because I hide <laughs> devices from my children too, right? As if your boys yeah. got older, you would discover that. Yeah. So, so to my point is that with really this whole idea that you think of it as a journey, both for the work front and the home front. And the spouse too, suddenly like middle of the day message you, will not be post a letter or whatever, but you're like, so really talking someone through and guiding them through the process is actually quite an important thing yeah 
Yeah, actually, you know, this really, really think about this is you're not just career navigators, you're actually life navigators. In a way, lah. In a way, yeah. Lah. Because we mentioned, we try to be careful to not like put too many people <laughs> too, right? Like, but yeah. but it, on the ground, really, is more than just kind of tapping there and navigate back to work. It's also like the mention, right? Kids at home definitely do see the challenges here, right? For moms who are definitely more affectionate compared to dads, they do something care of kids, right? Homework, everything, right? And then going back to work, it's like, hey, how are my kids at home? You know, like you, said, like you mentioned, devices, human controls, and that's kind of a good segue to the question that I have, right? On this work-life integration or even work-life balance, right? Um, so are these two like same, same or different and, and how? Uh, I suppose I'm, I'm not particular for titles, right? And the only reason why I always felt was integration is because um, balance at the end of the day is personal. It has always been a person's choice to remain balanced and feel like you have the balance. You don't need the tools to guide you. A lot of it is self. I mean, I go through it myself. I'm not always in balance. And, and the only reason why I can feel like I'm balancing work and family is because I've taken a step back to really look at myself as a mom and say, am I doing the right things, right? There's no real tools that can guide it's really about me making peace with myself. So back to your point, Ariel, earlier on, as a mom, sometimes I worry about the grades of my children. I realise that, um, so i give you an example. This year I was in Hong Kong for work. Um, my son's uh, WA, you know, assessment one, and my son is the, you know, never do anything. <laughs> and, and I had to really figure out, okay, h- how do I do this? Do I trust my, my, my husband to, you know, monitor him? So, of course, I, I did my part. I created, like, you know, spreadsheets. You sign here, you sign there, accountability. I do these things to make myself feel balanced and, and, and be assured. But at the end of the day, when I was in Hong Kong for work, one of the things that really hit me was, this is up to me, Shirley. If I want to put a lot of guilt on myself, I can. But I'm choosing not to. And I reframe the whole thing and think to myself, if he ends up doing badly, it's a good learning for him. If he ends up doing well, it's also a good learning for actually more me, right? And he kind of did average, so, so, so. It was one of those things where I thought, okay, not so bad. But I think that kind of balance is something that is more internal. And then as I've been walking this path in the last 13 to 14 years of, you know, I always get asked to talk about work-life balance. I don't know mummies talk about it. You know, some say it's a myth and all that. I've come to realize one thing, Eric. It's about yourself, you know, how you want to see this. In the end, no one can give you the balance or flexibility at work doesn't always give you balance to worry. If you are constantly worrying about an aspect or you constantly feel guilty, you will feel like your life is not balanced. You'll find that I'm not doing enough. Um, and no one can give you that, that solution. You can have the best boss in the world. You can have the best work arrangement in the world. Your children can be the most well-behaved children in the world. You will still say, I'm not balanced, right? So one of my biggest learning, in actually in the recent years in particular, because the naughtier one is growing up, uh, a lot of kids, sorry. It, it was really this whole idea that, hey, Shirley, you know, and for moms listening, I will say this to you. The journey is very intern. It's actually not about what society does for you, what your spouse does for you. You know, I am blessed. Of course, I have a, a husband that's very supportive, but I, so he also travels a lot. There are times where there's nothing he can do. Um, and again, it's me, right? That talk that I have with myself when I'm sitting, having a meeting in Hong Kong thinking, do I want to take on this guilt? Or do I relax and say that I'm human? I have a career. I want to be proud of myself in my career. And at the same time, I'm also empowering my child and getting him to recognize if this is something that at primary five, he should take on. 
right? So there's a lot of that reframing that needs to happen. And it was great because I traveled with my business partner, right? She's also got her son also WA1. First thing, she told me, you know, we are going to see how badly they feel. And I said, no, I said, at the end of the day, let's go and see whether it, and if they did. I told her, are you going to be worried? She says, actually, no. Then he may wake up and finally re- recognize what he needs to take ownership for, right? So I see this really as what is your choice about this? Do you want to walk in and believe that the odds are against you as a mom? Or do you want to believe that, yeah, the odds are against you, but if I reframe it, actually, they're not really that against me. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's too philosophical with this, but I I think there's some truth to this because, I mean, literally 13 years of talking about it, you know, working it. And obviously, the purpose of Moms at Work is providing the tools to say that there's flexibility. You can stop breaking, you can come back to work, you can start a business, but... Ultimately, if the mom or dad does not make that conscious decision to shift his or her mindset, you will never find the balance that you guys. Yeah, it's so so. I mean, it's actually not philosophical at all. To be honest, it's very practical. In fact, uh, what you just shared really because it's very common. We see it almost every day, right? On parents are anxious as they go back to uh, work, and I think what you mentioned just now really really struck me is um, balance, work life balance. This word balance is a choice. Right, and it's really a mental shift or even unlearning what you learned for past X amount of years and taking a new mindset towards making a choice towards, hey, empowering my kids and then not carrying the guilt. Right, I think that's very important. Um, and you mentioned about work-life integration. It's a more holistic way to see it, right? Share a bit more, right, on this since 2010, right, when you start Moms at Work to 2023 today. How do you integrate Moms at Work into your life for taking your kids? Just for context, how are your kids today? Uh. Okay, so for the, my elder one's 15, because she turns 15 this year, the second one turns 11 this year. It was started pretty much when the big one was about one or two years old. And to be honest, when she was a baby, I started playing along the sides already. She was yeah. literally sleeping in those, you know, those chairs <laughs> next to me. Because so we, no, we had no help at that time when I won. And for the longest time, we had no help. My mom was very sick and eventually passed away. And my, my mom-in-law was not here. So uh, I was really one of those moms that, Wow, it's pure. And there was no flexi at that time. It was really in my face, really, you know, uh, painful. And I think over the years, you know, with the introduction of moms, and obviously for both of them, I think maybe I will put this back. Best. My kid has ever once said to me, your third child is his mother. <laughs> but, but you see, I see that as a good thing, right? It's almost like all of them get my equal attention and they also get my equal love. And more importantly, as a woman, my identity is so much shaped by me being a mom, which is probably my first and most favorite identity. But there is also a fact that I birthed an organization. You got to believe But but I think what's very interesting for me has been this whole thing has become so much a part of my life. Uh, and because when you run your own business, Eric, the truth is the choices are more in your hands. When you travel for work, do you want to put the phone down? Do you want to say that I'm not gonna, you know? Um, I have been burned out many, many times. And that's why I tell a lot of moms, you know, you always see the grass on the other side being greener. You run your own business, you should have full control. The truth is you don't because you are responsible. My husband hates it whenever I used to answer him. But if I don't answer this, there's no one else who will answer this email because I am the boss. Then you look at me like, so, so sometimes when he's quite like, we're in the middle of some holiday thing and I'm doing it, right? Climbing a mountain in Japan, I remember I'd be like, <laughs> and, 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 and again, I told you, it was itself that determination to say, enough, this is not how it should be, right? This is my choice. I will miss out on this. And the world call always will spin every, you know. I mean, even us setting this up, remember when I fell sick and I had to write to you, 
I was guilty about all these things. But then I realized, no, no, I can't do this if I am sick. It is not logical. So I still go through it from time to time. But I'll be honest to say that um, I have less guilt about when to move away from my identity. And my children also have watched me do it. So I feel in a way for them, they see, I'm trying to teach them the value of this. That it's, it's very internal, you know, because I share with them my successes. So they've seen me cry, they've seen me laugh. And I say, you know, beyond bursts doesn't solve all your problem. You have to be yeah. aware. So this online integration, again, is a choice. It is your choice. How much of it do you want to let it interfere? Yeah, yeah. I think what you share is really kind of reminds me of last year's Mother's Day episode where uh, Adriana from Months for Life was sharing about self-awareness, right? Being self-aware uh, so that you won't unknowingly carry a guilt that like easily you will consume, right? I think that's where very important self-awareness, making a choice, and then very objectively saying, hey, have a control to so say no. If it's time for the kids, time for the family, put a stop to that, right? Them. That's where time management skills come in, right? Correct. Just take a step back, right, on, on parenting in general. So uh, just like hear about, hey, you know, remote controls, uh, boundaries, uh, hear about education, teaching. What is the mindset like? Uh, I was just to share with uh, the listeners about thoughts on these things. Yeah. So I'm like any typical Singaporean mom. Uh, I, so my husband was originally American. He since uh, gave up his citizenship to be Singaporean. So sometimes he doesn't understand the PSLE model, but he's pretty okay. Actually, he doesn't fight me too much about it. Although he always says that questions are very badly said. That questions, okay, we are listening. I'm going to say this. That it's always uh, correct, which is true. And, and, and he has a very valid point, which is to say sometimes we push the kids too hard. Their maturity is not at that level to even understand the PSLE questions. Every your kids are too young, so you... You won't understand, but when you come closer to it, some of these questions make no sense to you. And you're like, what? Why are you asking the question, right? I've seen it in P1 anyway. Uh, P1 questions are really like, oh, what is this? Yeah, what does why sense? do you do it, right? Like, well, why are you even trying yeah. to ask, right? Yeah. yeah. With a circle, so right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trust me. So so a lot of times he does question, which, which is such a bad thing, because it makes me step back and think, okay, what is it that, you know, I want to do with this? Parenting has been the more challenging journey than starting a business, I would say, uh, by nature, because I'm a problem solver. And someone that, like I said, like, you know, I have this, it bugs me, I'm going to solve a problem, right? But when you come to parent now, you can't solve every problem because some of this is, this is meant for them to solve. My bigger girl was a very good, I always say she's my, she was, uh, being the uh, first one, was my test bed for a lot of, I, I would say, bad parenting. Meaning that I follow what people would say, you know, and, and I used to come home and say, people say, you know, and then my husband threatened to be, who are these people? What they are they important? And then it got me thinking, like, actually, it doesn't matter what people say, right? At the end of the day, I know my child best. Um, also, because of moms at work, I remember running career affairs, women coming to me saying, Oh, I'm so grateful for moms at work. You know, I took a break from my child. Okay, so it's all good until they see this magical line, which I, hey, I've heard this a few times already. I took a break for his PSLE, <laughs> and you know, he better do well. And then every but because he didn't ask you to take a break, right? Yeah. He did. Hello? It's his exam. You you cannot. So one of the things I tell stay-at-home moms, and I know sometimes it's a pain point, but I'll say this because I believe this to be true. The child is not your project. If you were a superstar at work, um, the child is not your project, you know? And it's something that happens to me because I'm quite type A. I, I, I mean, you can see I want to do things, right? Yeah. But. But my daughter was sometimes remind me, I'm not you with me. I really am not you. And then I realized, that's just not me, right? So all I will do is teach her the skills and I tell her a little bit more, like, hey, you know, speak up more. 
But if she does not want to speak up, Eric, she will find her own solution. A very good example I would share, and, and this is quite a personal story share. She did go through a, an episode in school where she was bullied when she was younger. So, you know, typical mom, right? I went to the teacher and did the basic stuff, but after a while I realized, hey, you need to speak up. So I told her, I said, you go to the recess table and then you bang the table and you shout back at her and ask her why. Because that's me, right? And then she, she got quiet and then she said, I'll try. She went, came back, she says, I, I couldn't do it, mommy. And then I said, well, you try again. I said, do it in this way, maybe a nicer way, but still confront her, right? And so she went the second day. And then finally she came back, she said, and she was crying. She said, mommy, I'm not you. I can't do it. And then I realized, oh my gosh, this is what's, what I mean. Not in terms of academic, but in terms of the way we deal with the problem. Shirley does it this way because my personality is, is, is strong enough or fierce enough or whatever to do it. But that was not her way. So then I said, okay, what is your preferred method? She says, can I do this gently? I want to do it the proper way. The girl has been doing this to me and other girls. I want to speak to the teacher. I want to have a, a, a proper air, a, you know, airing out session, blah, blah, blah. So she arranged everything and she talked to the teacher. She did confront the girl, but in a more gentle way, in a more, uh, and also actually quite smart, in a more open way, whereby she said, this is for discussion. If you don't like it, you can bring it up to me. So my daughter obviously is more collaborative than me. <laughs> but, but this was really that, that waking up call. And I say this to all moms and dad. Um, my children really are not. My children are not. And the, the more I, I can remember that, actually, I think they are happier and I'm happier. And it will be the same with academic. It will be the same with sports. It will be the same with these different things. All I can do as a parent is to, in a way, show them some of the skills I have developed. Hopefully, they will pick it up, you know, train them in some of the skills. Some they will take to immediately because their personality suits them. Some skills, it's just not their preferred pattern. And, and I'm being very honest here about this bullying case because it really was for me, I think it was really for me that aha moment where I realized my daughter is not me. I cannot teach her to problem solve the way I problem solve. She's becoming her own person. And she was about primary five, primary six or so, or primary five. Last. So it was really that age where I realized, okay, she's her own person and I am recognizing it and I am going to accept it because this will be better for her. Yeah, and then you mentioned aha moment. It seems like it's a mini aha moment for myself as you share about this because I was, as you were sharing, I was reflecting on, you know, Oh, there were some times that really I was like li- literally telling him to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. Like how I would do it. Yes. Right? Um, but I'm reflecting, actually, there are actually many ways to do accomplish a certain thing, right? Uh, yes, the why is common, but the what and how, there are actually many ways to do it. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good reflective moment for myself as well as I kind of uh, continue to be, to kind of parent the kid and, and being more about maybe... A suggestion also for listeners or myself or, or is really to ask them, hey, you want to solve this problem, how would you like to approach, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they can basically, you know, maybe, maybe they have a better idea even, right? So I think that's where something reflective uh, for myself, a mini aha moment for me and perhaps for the listeners as well. As we wrap up this episode, um, just maybe final few questions. Oh, um, sure. So, I mean, this is a special episode of Mother's Day. Uh, what is your kind of key takeaway advice for, for moms who, um, number one, going back to the workforce after a few years of break. Uh, and number two, who are actually very burnt out and tired of taking care of the kids uh, and family. Yeah. Okay, they're two very different groups. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do number one first. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think for those who are coming back to work, know that it will take some time. Really don't let what society tells you dictate how you see yourself. A lot of times, because for women coming back to work, they are probably 
going to the wrong places or approaching the jobs wrongly or even applying for the wrong jobs. So just because we're saying all to you doesn't mean that you're worth nothing. I've seen women, they have applied 40 over positions, 50 over positions, and then they're crying. And then sometimes they just hit the right position and they're paid so well, they're so happy there. You know, I genuinely believe that as human beings, we don't lose our skill sets, right? But it takes you, and, and you have to believe in yourself, because if you don't, your message will always come out wrong. Um, I've heard so many women apologize for taking a career break. Please don't do that. I think there's no need for. You made a choice, it's the right decision. It will always be the right decision when you look back, and so be it. And you just move on. Yeah. So don't give yourself a tougher time than you need. And I, I say this, although knowing that you will, I will say this, you will face obstacles, you will face rejection. It's normal. It's because people don't understand what you've gone through. You just have to think about how you want to reframe this, be a bit more positive and tell yourself, I'm going at the wrong portals. I'm looking at the wrong people or industries. Let me think again. Let me go do a bit of research and start again. Somewhere, someplace, there will be something for you. Very sure of that one. Yeah. Then uh, for those who are burnt out, wow, this one very personal because I have it very often. All parents, uh, and in particular mothers, we really, really do suffer from this. It's a journey I'm still learning, but I've come to realize that this is also true observation. You have to really like who you are. A lot of times things feel so painful, they feel so difficult. Back to our parenting conversation, I don't it's because there are parts about you that you want to change, there are things that you want to change and you feel like you can't change it. But the truth is, if you accept it and realize that it's not so bad, I just go with the flow, then it doesn't feel so stressful, right? A lot of it is really about that mindset. Because we burn out because there's a part of us that feels like, I'm not good enough to do this, I cannot do this, this is not perfect, the kids are not sleeping by 10, you know, everything, you know, kids are falling sick. Kids are falling sick because you're a bad mom, right? Kids fall sick because they're exposed to germs. Sometimes I tell my kids, you are sick because you never wash your hands. That's not me, right? But but you have to be very realistic about this and realize that we didn't look inwards and say, am I doing my best? And if I really am already, I need to cut myself some slack. But not often is also a reflection. So I'll share this with you one time. But now it's often a reflection of how you feel about yourself too. If you feel like you are not good enough or you're not doing enough, you just keep on trying harder and harder and harder. And it comes to a point where you can't do it anymore because we only have so much time in the day, right? This is me speaking. When I'm burned out, actually, there's a part of me that's very angry with the world, angry with the kids, angry with the spouse, angry with the kids. But the truth is, I don't have to be. If I choose not to be angry, I already half my feeling of being burned out. Half that feeling, really. Because there's no anger, right? If there's no anger, then I don't know. It's just like working out world. But <laughs> except it. And actually, it's interesting because when I do that, I find that I really have less emotional um, attachment to what's happening and more like, okay, maybe, you know, if I chill a bit, it's okay, let's see how things go. And it's that feeling, like, you know. So I know it sounds cliche, that it's just mindset, but the truth is that makes up breaks. It always does. You know, I, I know women with six kids, really tough job, single mom, I know in one case, she's happy as a lot. Always ask her, you burn out. Uh, I guess so, not really, let it. That's what it's asking. Not really. The fact that she can tell you not really is already, that means she, she frames it until not so bad but if someone yeah. can do that i can see why we cannot right so yeah go fine i think i think kind of the key word here is chill <laughs> chill like i mean something really very tense up life is really very tense up right at work you know you take care of old parents maybe 
right? Don't even touch that. That would be probably an episode, right? By itself, right? Or even yeah. kids, work, homework, PSLE, so many things. So sometimes really take a step back to really chill and and, and cut some slack. Forever, right? I really yeah. nothing, nothing lasts exactly. forever. So at exactly. the moment, no matter how bad it feels, if you tell yourself that someday this will go away, you will actually feel better. Once you feel better, you're like, okay, not so bad. Keep going, you know. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. Last question. Uh, I know you have great plans for months at work and career navigators. Why don't you share some plans in 2023 or maybe in 2024? What is the next thing? Um, yeah. I don't I don't know if it's are great plans. We <laughs> just were, well, I, I would say this, our clients took us to Hong Kong and possibly Japan is a very new market. Obviously, language is a challenge. But I used to live there, so not so bad. Uh, and it's like a bit of a second home. So I thought maybe we'll... We'll just take away, try a way to start building my retirement home there. But what was interesting was really that a lot of this was the client started and then we started to want to look into those markets as well. So I think that's where we're going into. The other thing is also we are expanding our work integrating life program. It's something that we used to only work with companies for because companies will come to us and say, do this for the new moms. So we are hoping that if there are new moms who are really struggling, because we do get requests, just, I mean, formally say we don't do it because we do it on a corporate level, right? But we're opening it up to more uh, women or uh, folks say, you know, I'm burnt out. I just had a baby, I'm burnt out. Uh, what should I do, right? So we're, we're hoping to do some work in the area. Wow, wow. I mean... This are not not great, like really great, but these are really really impactful, right? Uh, but like as, small as steps there. to, to roll and yeah, exactly. And because they are really these personal lives and personal lives of moms to be impacted, Where's and they really need help, right? So thanks for doing this. That is a wrap. Thank you for your time, Shirley, with this uh, episode. We really enjoyed it. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, thank you. I mean, all the best, all the best to continue making impact and helping moms to reintegrate right to the workforce and integrate, have a, have a good balance uh, in integration with work and life. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Your Grit Story Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Chase your dreams, live out your passion and discover your grit story.